Welcome to Go Into All the World. Now here's your host, Gary Griffinhagen. Well, again, I say to you, thank you for joining me. Um, this is a follow-up program to our last one called Why the Miraculous? We're talking a little bit about the miraculous is for God to show himself strong through us, as the scriptures say. We want God's love, his power, and his kindness to be shown to people because this is who he is. This is what he does, if you would, kind of like Jesus destroying the works of the devil. But also, this is what draws people. When they see that God is love and God is kind and God has power, a lot of times they begin to change their mindset about God. A lot of see him. A lot of people see him as stern. A lot of people may see him. Well, he doesn't do anything. Or why is the word bad? World bad? And why is there evil? All this kind of stuff. <clears throat> we want to show him, and he wants to work through us to show the world the opposite. So again, we're talking about the miraculous, and as we. Some of you that are, maybe all of you that are listening are believers. You that are listening that are believers, God wants to work through you. Preach, teach, and again, you'd be used, if you would, okay, to give some signs or wonders. Because again, people have those needs. That was a point in the last program, that people have needs, and God wants to meet those needs. And he wants to meet them between you and I, Okay. He wants us to go into all the world, and when somebody needs prayer, pray for them. Somebody needs salvation, share the plan of salvation. Maybe give your testimony or whatever. If they need to be healing, he wants us to lay hands on them. If they need to be raised from the dead, praise God, we would just lay hands on them there or command them to come back to life. So God wants to use you and wants to use you right where you're at, not in some church service. But again, this last story, or the story that I ended with last week was the tennis court story, and I want to finish it and maybe clarify a couple things. But I'd mentioned there were homes, there was one on a golf course, there was another tennis court story. A lot of times, it's just simple, everyday places. But with God inside of you, He's going to those simple, everyday places with you. It says, Christ in us, the hope of glory. So we have Him, and He'll never leave us or forsake us. So He's always with us. He's always going with us, and he wants to go with us, and he wants to be part of the story. He just doesn't want us to have, like I say, a social service club or be another Red Cross or sell, you know, give out the Girl Scout cookies. He wants us to do things that are related to the Bible, the gospel, and the power of God so people will be drawn. Well, if you remember last week, I said that the story happened on a tennis court. Uh, the players were serving. I was working with one young lady. It was a girl's team, so one girl, that just seemed to have problems serving, and I didn't know what the problem was. So I checked her arm position. I looked at her grip. I was kind of looking for a little bit as she would swing above her head, or what, let's say the toss, let's say the follow-through, things like that, when suddenly my head went straight down. Well, I didn't mention last week. When my head went straight down, I looked at her feet, and I could see your feet were totally misaligned. And I thought, well, that's the problem. The problem was her feet. Nothing to do up, up top or above her head or up, you know, kind of the, the bended arm or something like that, the bended elbow. And if you remember when I left off, the young lady knew that I was not looking at her feet. I was looking above her head. I made no motion or no indication I was gonna look down. My head just like suddenly got pushed down. Well, in her mind, and I'm, I'm sure she was right, an angel pushed my head down. 
So I would see where the problem was. The problem was with the feet. Well, again, if you remember last week, I, I mentioned, and this is a true story, she went running around the court yelling to people, hey, and when I say people, the other players, hey, an angel just pushed his head down. An angel made him look down. He was not looking at my feet, and an angel made him look. Now, that might sound unusual to some of you, and it was unusual. Um, the background, though, in the story is I'm a Christian. We have a Bible club, and that, or said we had a Bible club at that time, it was very strong, called the, quote, JC Fan Club. And there was the club, if you would, and myself, we were kind of well known that God would be touching lives in different ways. Whether it was a club meeting or maybe out in the tennis course or just kind of the highways and byways of school life. So it wasn't totally out of the ordinary, but again, this is kind of a, an amazing thing because she saw it, and I know it. I wasn't looking down. I had no thought about looking down. I was kind of trying to wait for her to toss the ball again or watch her arm. But boom, my head went down, and there was the problem. Problem was solved. Now, I put down on my notes, was that a needed miracle? Not necessarily. Is it a wonderful thing? Yeah, it's wonderful because God showed his love, his kindness, and his power to help me, okay, as I was coaching. And I feel really led to say this. He wants to help you in your day-to-day life. He wants you to help you in your everyday life. You know, we're not all perfect. We don't have perfect plans every day. Maybe if you're a teacher, you don't have every single lesson planned out line. Maybe if you're a mom and you got to do laundry and you got to run to the store and you got to do this and mend the shirt. It's like, how do I get all these things done or what orders should I do them in? Or, gee, I want to fellowship a little bit. How do I do all that, okay, as I'm going around? And so he wants to help you and me, okay, in our everyday lives. And again, that scripture keeps back coming back up to show himself strong. Why? Because he wants to show himself strong to us, his children. Then, as he shows himself strong to us, and others are around, okay, they're going to see that God has great, God is powerful, God is love, God is kind. God does things for people, okay? As we get him in our lives, he moves in our lives. We don't just say, hey, he's going to move because I want him to. No, he sees our heart. He sees the need, the cry of our heart. That's how we got saved. He see our heart crying out, I don't want to sin. I don't want to keep sinning. And he goes, okay, that person's realized they need a Savior. I'm going to send him Jesus. Well, in this case, there was probably 15 to 20 players. And again, a few of them are already born again. And many of them kind of know, yeah, this wild things happen with Coach Gary and da-da-da-da-da and some of the Christians. But anyways, it showed himself strong to these people. And I praise God for that. And I know we never really followed up much with that. But again, as you see these things happen in your lives, people will remember these things. And the Holy Spirit, when they get away from the school or whatever, they're going to remember these things. So the Holy Spirit can bring these things up to their mind so they can remember them. And then they can start getting on the path to get saved. Well, I wasn't going to do this, but I'm going to share another quick story. And then we'll get into Romans 5. I, <coughs> I shared this before that... I was kind of the leader for a group of visiting Japanese students. Many of them were hosted by families in the church I attended. I was also the assistant pastor there, so had some, you know, different dealings going on. And every day I would have a different topic. Well, one day the topic was holidays, and I kind of knew the topics ahead of time because I had an outline, this day do this, this day do that. 
So, you know, I share with others in the church, and a lot of us thought all these people are going to get touched. And Gary can talk about Thanksgiving and Christmas and Easter and, you know, kind of bring the the God part into it. And gosh, a lot of them are thinking, hey, this will give uh, the Lord a chance, or maybe these students will get uh, a chance to hear the word, and maybe they'll open their hearts, and God can draw them or whatever. And the students kind of like the upbeat praise and worship we have in the style of our church. But they had never really expressed any kind of interest and desire to receive or even talk about the Lord. <clears throat> well, this day, everything went terribly, okay? These students didn't seem very engaged. They seemed disinterested. And as I got into the Christian holiday teaching, I kind of left them for a little bit so I could kind of build up to it. It was like they were just going through the motions. And I was Joe frustrated. I didn't know what to do in the sense that, well, this is not going well. Um, I don't know what to do, and I kind of thought, the best laid plans go astray. Well, as I kind of got a little bit further in the teaching, this is what happened. Suddenly, suddenly, and listen carefully, the temperature in the room, which we were in the high desert of California, so normal summer temps were 110, maybe up to 115 regularly, all right? We actually considered a miracle when it got to be 5.30 or 6, or not a miracle, but a great thing. When it got to be 5.30 and 6, it was only 90. It actually felt, with a little bit of breeze, it felt like it was cool. Can you believe that, 90 feeling cool? Anyways, so right in the middle of this class, suddenly the temperature dropped 50 or 60 degrees. I had shorts on, I had short sleeve shirt like most of the students, and instantly I was chilled. Instantly, I started rubbing my, or started taking my hands to try to rub my arms. I was like, what is this? Well, we were in an, an older church. The church had no air conditioning. They had no swamp core. Any kind of breeze or any kind of, if you want to call it, air coming through or any kind of relief was opening the windows. Well, I looked around. Suddenly, nobody had brought a portable air conditioning in. The windows were still wide open. It was at least 110, maybe 115. It was pretty close to midday. And I had no idea what happened. Well, I kind of reacted this way. As I'm rubbing my arms, my mind goes, you know what, this could be an attack of the enemy. I might be in the presence of evil. And I've kind of been around the presence of evil once or twice, I believe, in my life as a believer. And I'm not here to share those today. But anyways, I started thought, this is not good news. And I may be involved in some kind of spiritual battle. I may get attacked. I actually thought it flashed in me that I could die. This is crazy. Um, Now, I know a little bit more scriptures than I used to know then. It was probably 20, 25 years ago. Um, So I I wouldn't think that now. I I would have a different view. Um, But I thought, well, no matter what happens to me, I'm responsible for these 15 or so Japanese students. I need to get them out of here. Now, they were just kind of playing around. I don't think that meant as much to them, but I was cold, and I was realizing temperatures don't just drop 50 or 60 degrees in, you know, maybe 10 seconds, maybe 20 or 30 seconds. That's not real, okay? So we ran out the door. When I say run, we got a hustle out the door. We had a van, okay, from the company I worked for. We had a van. I jumped, We got in the van. I said, well, let's just go back to my house because we're going to have some lunch there. And my wife was either preparing it or we probably had some food brought in. And I'm just driving back. Well, as I started driving back, this holy anger just kind of rose up inside of me. 
And I thought, you know, I don't know what that room was. I mean, obviously I'm out of it now, uh, so I don't quote, die or have any kind of injury or illness or attack, if you would. But something had happened. The whole class had gone bad. The teaching had gone bad. I mean, in the sense, no, nobody moved at it. Nobody got excited. It was just, again, kind of like going through the motions. So in my mind, okay, the devil or one of his workers had really kind of duped me. And if you want to call it that, kind of duped the students. We were here to learn something, and guess what? It didn't happen at all. So by the time I got home, I was really mad. Well, we got inside. We kind of all flopped around the living room of my house. My wife was fixing lunch and getting things ready. And the students were just kind of like piled up on the floor, piled up on the couch. And remember, I'm pretty mad inside. I'm not quite sure what to do about it, but I am kind of like, man, I just got... I just got jacked by the devil. I just got, you know, twisted or whatever you want to call it by the bad guy. And I don't really know what to do about it. Plus, I saw something pretty supernatural. Temperatures just don't drop 50 or 60 degrees instantly in a place with nothing electrical or something, you know, technologically speaking that would allow that to happen. It's just, boom, freezing, okay? And as we sat there, one of the students kind of looked, looked around and, she started grabbing her throat, and she finally goes, you know what, my throat is just sore. It's so sore, I mean, I don't know what to do, and no medicine helps, and again, she might have a little bit of a broken English, again, she was from Japanese, and had some knowledge of the language, but long story short, people started going, wow, this is a bummer. A couple of them kind of grabbed her and say, oh, I'm sorry to hear that, and da-da-da-da-da. Well, as they sat there and talked with her, Inside of me, something just jumped. It was like, you know what? I didn't want the devil to win this day. He's already got a couple victories. The teaching went lousy. We had to get out of the room in an instant. And as far as I knew, it was the devil. I didn't know how this happened. Um, But I'm going to pray for her. And I'm going to pray that her throat gets healed right here, right now. Because if it does, hey, that's going to be a great sign. And guess what? I prayed, and her throat got instantly better. It was amazing, right in front of all of us. Well, here's the good news of the story. As soon as those Japanese students, and roughly, say, 14 or so, they just exploded when they saw her get better because she instantly was just like, wow, it's better. I'm not choking. I'm not, and I don't remember all the symptoms, but she said, I'm just better. Well, the students all got excited, and they started looking at me like, I want to know Jesus. I want a Bible. I want to know more about God. They were just, just kind of like a celebration. They started grabbing Bibles. I think I had five or ten Bibles. Maybe went back and got a couple more and said, hey, here's a Bible for you and a Bible for that. And, hey, man, you know, Jesus is good. And they could see that and they could feel that, all right? Well, anyways, the guys used that situation or that sore throat to draw these students. And instantly they were excited about Jesus. So when I said in the last program, a lot of times when we do signs, God can use those signs, okay? God can use those signs to draw people and kind of show them his goodness and his love and his power. Um, so these students got excited. Now, to be honest with you, I don't think anybody accepted the Lord. They may have a couple of may at the end, but I could tell they were reading the Bible and they had an excitement and an, if you want to call it an interest that they'd never had. Well, let's go back to Romans 5. We've been away for a while. We did the Christmas story and stuff. We'd gone from Romans 1 through 4. We talked about in Romans 1 what life was like and that people don't know God. And 
they kind of know they don't know God, they know they're not right. Then we saw how does society fall when they've kind of rejected God. They started getting off into different steps. We looked at chapter 2 where it said basically neither the Jew nor the Gentile had any kind of right to claim anything. The Gentiles didn't have the law, but they didn't have God. The Jews had the, the law, but they weren't allowing God, if you would, in their heart. or They weren't loving God from a heart, more from a law-based thing. Anyways, we get up and we saw at the end of verse or chapter 4, excuse me, that there was justification by faith. Remember, Abraham was justified because he waited 25 years and his heart didn't waver. And he didn't consider his age. He didn't consider Sarah's womb and the dryness thereof. Okay? He just believed God. All right, so let's go to Romans 5.1 and here's what it says. Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace through God. Okay? Through our what? Our Lord Jesus Christ. So he, Paul had kind of spent these first few chapters of Romans, especially for giving through the life or showing through the life of Abraham that justification came by faith. <clears throat> and in verse, I believe it's 4, 23 or 24, he said, you know, these scriptures, these truths about Abraham were not just given for his sake, but they were given for our sake that we could be justified by faith. So now he's kind of established the justification by faith. And let's kind of go from there and see what he says, okay, in Romans 5. And there's, you know, four or five things goes on in Romans 5, 6, 7, and 8. Well, the first thing he said, we have peace with God. So did our peace come, okay, by a work or by fasting or prayer? No, it said it came on a basis of faith. We saw that Jesus did something, that we heard that Jesus did for something for us. And the burden of salvation was put on his shoulders, not ours. <clears throat> Once that burden, okay, was lifted, okay, now we know that we have peace with God because we have right standing. Remember back in Romans 1, it said that all people everywhere, and it took me years to see the scripture or understand the teaching, all people everywhere know they're not right with God. They A, know there's a God, and B, they know they're not right with Him. So now as we get at the end of verse 4 and start in 5, now we have peace through what? Through our Lord Jesus Christ. Because we're saved, okay? We've been born again. We're new, okay? And we've been saved by faith, okay? And by the way, as you walk this walk, if you're a believer listening to me, you can kind of read Hebrews 11.6 or Colossians 2.6, and it says we're going to kind of constantly walk by faith our whole life. There's not some little walk into the room, God's sitting there and gives you, here's your get into heaven free card. No. We're going to walk by faith, and most of us are not necessarily going to see God or see, if you would, Jesus or see some of these things. But we're going to know in our hearts that we're saved by faith. Okay? All right, so go on to Romans 5.2. By whom, so again, that's by Jesus, we also have access by faith into this grace, wherein what? Wherein we stand and rejoice in the hope and the glory of God. Think about that. So a lot of times people talk about losing their salvation or maybe they just don't feel strong. Well, guess what? We stand because of grace, okay? 
And if we are in that grace or receiving that grace by faith and understanding it, now we stand, okay? And now we rejoice. So this to me is really, really a wonderful kind of opening to this chapter. I have peace with God. I have access but by faith, not by works, not by keeping all these laws or reading the Bible an hour every day or whatever. And I have faith into what? Into the grace by which I stand. So I stand in God's grace, which means that his, it's his power that's holding me. It's his surrounding me, okay, with love, joy, and peace and things like that. <clears throat> Excuse me. And then, of course, I rejoice in the hope of that, which is the end of verse 2. Okay? So what is faith? Faith is kind of like our admission, our ticket into the grace of God. Nobody can get there. You can't get there by the law, by works, okay? Uh, good works, anything. It's only accessed by faith. <clears throat> so what do we do when we have that? We rejoice. Rejoice sometimes is saying, I've got joy. Sometimes it's boasting in the Lord. Paul was excited, okay? Because the grace had given him, he had helped him see, okay? I'm going to be glorified with Jesus. Here I was persecuting the church. Now I'm on the other side. I'm going to be lifted up. I'm going to be glorified with Jesus. And so he was happy about that. Now we're going to see in verse 3 that he's also happy about having trial, trying times, having no hope. Okay, He's going to go from kind of like, here's what Jesus did. As we see verse 3, we're going to find him go, well, there are some times, even though I'm saved now, <clears throat> there are some times, okay, that I have to battle, that I have to fight. I have a tribulation. And let me go ahead and read Romans 5.3 now. In 5.3 reads, and not only so, but we glory in tribulations also, knowing that tribulation worketh patience. So again, we saw that Paul had a rejoicing, ideal, great experience. He saw and he had realized the hope of the glory of God that he would be glorified and raised up and remember when it said in verse 2 that he stands and he rejoices in what he rejoices in hope so hope is very very important to us and I want to encourage you that keep hope keep rejoicing and keep hope alive in your life don't let the devil don't let things don't let the world don't let your flesh don't let things steal that hope from you because it's hard to rejoice if you don't have hope all right and hope's kind of like a precursor to faith. If I have hope that something's going to happen, then I can begin to put faith into that based upon the word. Okay? So let's go back now to 5 3. Not only so, but we glory in tribulations. Well, you know, James said, count it all joy when you're in tribulation. How many out there are excited when they have a tribulation? How many are excited when they have a trial, when things don't go right, when people don't treat us right? When things just don't seem good, are we glorifying in that? Are we excited about that? Well, guess what Paul said? He said, we can glory in tribulations because we know that tribulation works patience. And we're going to see that patience, if we go through these next verses, is a big part, if you want to call it that, of our faith, okay? So Paul knew about the second coming. He was excited about that. But he was also excited that he can rejoice in tribulations. Remember, we know that we're saved by faith and we're justified by faith. So even if we have trials, because a lot of times people think you have a trial, you must be doing something wrong. 
you know, Jesus said, you're going to have trouble in this world. So if I can rejoice when I'm in a trial, that means I'm not looking at the myself as the cause. Now, there may be a time when I've caused some of these things, but I also realize, listen, I'm in the world. The world's fallen. The world has a lot of bad people. The world's going to give me problems. But God said, okay, count it all joy. And God said, okay, I rejoice in these tribulations. Because why? They do something for me. Okay? And we're going to have to stop pretty quick here. We're going to have to stop and kind of go on with that next week and kind of see what is tribulation working in us and how do hope and faith and patience kind of work together to bring us the promises of God. God wants us to remain steadfast. He wants us to keep pressing in. How can we do that? And we'll kind of look at that again next week. Well, I think I need to end here, and I hope the couple stories that I shared blessed you. And if you have time, go ahead and read the, say, the whole Romans 5, maybe Romans 5, and then Romans 6, and we'll try to cover those next week. Well, God bless you all, and hopefully you can join me next week as we go into all the world. Thank mm-hmm. you.